welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller, a journalist, broadcaster and author. The Gender Agenda is still available. Go to Amazon, buy it, review it. Uh, be nice about it, please. I am, we're back, back in Parliament this week after a summer of recording in the pub. Uh, we're back in the tiny, almost soundless room, apart from the sound of one of my guests' Sorry. phones going off. It's like having Lord Bell in the room. You're going to slur. Hopefully, I'm making a better well. job of things than Lord Bell is at the minute. <laughs> uh, that. Well, we might as well introduce. I wasn't going to introduce you first, but since you've announced your arrival uh, so uh, publicly, I am uh, delighted to be joined in this uh, airproof, soundproof broom cupboard by uh, the Scotsman's Westminster editor and all-round great man. Great man. Uh, he is Paris Gutsianis. Pleasure to be here. And I am joined by an SNP MP who somehow has evaded this podcast until now. I don't know how, but you know you can run, but you can't hide from the <laughs> podcast. Uh, it's Alison Thewlis, MP for Glasgow Central. Yes. Hello. Hello. Um, let's start with this jingle that we haven't heard for the summer. <laughs> PMQs in review. Prime Minister's questions today, whatever, really. I mean, did, did, it wasn't awful, but there wasn't anything really stand out, was there? It wasn't very exciting. Um, yeah. And there were a lot of Tories. Um, yes. It is luck of the draw, but you know, heavy, heavy Tory backbencher questions. Not even questions, right? or speeches. Yes. A lot of Tories making speeches, which is why it went it's on so very, long. Very worthy things that um, they've been given to say. I the, remember the, what they the were. Drama was, well, the drama was at the top when Anna Subri yes. sort of stood up and, and said, we, the Tory uh, backbench rebels, demand that uh, you speak to us on, on the Brexit bill. And once yes. that was out of the way, it sort of, you know... Yeah, Peter after, after that, there wasn't really much... Credit to Ian Black, for because Jeremy Corbyn obviously didn't want to speak about Brexit or immigration, picking up the baton on immigration and making that his uh, his question. All right, well let's 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 tackle this because I seem to have upset some gnats on Twitter uh, in my comments about Ian Blackford's uh, PMQs. He went on immigration. Um, I suggested the SNP see this as a wedge issue between Scotland and England. Now I may be guilty of poor English. My point is the SNP believe lots in the SNP believe that there is a difference in opinion when it comes to immigration between Scots and English. That's fair, isn't it? I think that's to simplify the issue ridiculously. I don't think it's nearly as, as simple as that. Really? Um, absolutely. But uh, really, I think there is a perception that Scots are more pro-immigration than English. Well, I think there has been in Scotland a kind of cross-party consensus on immigration, mm -hmm. which has not been the case in England. Yes. That's different. Um, you've had Labour down here with their anti-immigration mugs, you've had the Tories sort of buying oh, yeah. on about go-home vans, all those kind of things. Yeah. We have not had that in Scotland. And so that's, there's a difference that, in opinion? That's not about a difference of opinion, that's about a difference of, of powers. The Scottish Parliament doesn't have powers over immigration, so oh, immigration policy is not... What, so you're suggesting if the Scottish Government had powers, they'd be sending around go-home vans? No, we'd be no. doing something quite different. Because yeah, there's a difference in opinion. But there's a reason we would do that differently. Right. And that's because Scotland has had, for many years, a declining population. Yes. We have sent our people out across the world. Yeah. We have lost um, population in Scotland. We have depopulated, particularly in rural areas, yes. um, which has caused big problems for services. You have now got EU nationals, citizens from all around the world, coming and living in those areas, yeah. providing the services, being doctors and nurses and being part of that community and being welcomed. 
because there's a need for it and it's very identifiable in a lot of communities that people are 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 being welcomed wherever they've come from right and the other thing that i would point out as well in terms of my own city of glasgow mm-hmm. um is that there has been that cross-party consensus as well and if you look at the way that Glasgow City Council for many years has approached um, asylum seeker and refugee issues. Yes. The council has welcomed that. All parties in Glasgow have welcomed that. And I've been very supportive of the part, the stance that the Labour Party took in the council for many years on that. Yeah. Um, I don't think there were many other um, council chambers around the whole of the UK that put up a banner on their door saying refugees welcome. Yes, and they Glasgow will get packed did. off. They'll get packed off. There's a church at the end of my street, a converted church at the end of my road, where all the um, asylum seekers get first processed. And they get put into buses and go off to Glasgow. You see them going off, you think. Yeah. So we have... be terribly exciting. I mean, you know, clearly. Yeah, but there has been <laughs> that kind of consensus around it. Um, yeah, all right, mm. fine. All of which is true. Which I would love to see here. Okay. <laughs> but it can also be true at the same time that there are people in the SNP, and I have spoken to very senior people in the SNP who have suggested that part of the reason or another reason that they uh, take up immigration issues is to prove that uh, Scotland can handle immigration better than Westminster. It's the same reason that the SNP loves to go on about pensions. Okay, there may be genuine issues around WASPI, for example, but... The people who take up these issues, there is an additional reason, which is that it's an opportunity to show that Scotland would do things not just differently, but better than Westminster. Well, given the surgery cases I get every single Friday, you couldn't do anything worse than Westminster's doing in terms of yeah. the treatment of people. Okay. It also has the, the advantage of being, as you mentioned, an untestable as yet uh, question, because yeah. obviously immigration powers rest in mm-hmm. at Westminster. Yeah. Um, but culturally, there's a lot of evidence that, you know, people are more welcoming, more willing to be openly welcoming to refugees and asylum seekers. And, yeah. But but you can't actually... Ch- that's why it's such an appealing issue, is because you can't actually challenge it. I mean, it strikes me that essentially we're all right. We can all be right here, right? And I'm suggesting that there's a difference between opinions in Scotland and England. All right, that's open, I think open to some the way which you phrased that was not quite... Um, uh, that the SNP like to raise yeah. it because it's... Uh, uh, there's a difference of opinion, but not just because of that. Maybe that's what I should well, have put. We like to Maybe raise it because said, we believe in human rights and we respect people, and that's, yes, that's important. but there's this additional reason that it works quite well for the whole independence cause, right? As Is that fair? I, I was going to ask something as, as a Glasgow MP, um, is that perhaps what happens in Scotland is that the, the, the issues, sort of perhaps the communi- community tensions and the issues with housing, uh, wages, jobs that get built up in England into a, or in the rest of the UK, into a sort of political um, position. Hmm. They sort of stay at a, at a local level and they aren't... I think we're maybe less impacted by hmm. that kind of right-wing Daily Mail agenda, which seems to drive a lot of the Westminster yeah. politics around immigration. Hmm. And we just, don't, we just don't buy into that um, to There's the same extent. There's not fuel there to... We don't buy into that in the same way hmm. in Scotland... And that's perhaps because there's been fewer Tories in Scotland as well to kind of pick up yeah. that thread where mm. it's been down here as well. So uh, that, there's a slight kind of difference in the political makeup, but there has been a broad consensus in Scotland, even from the Tories, that immigration is a good thing mm. and can help Scotland, particularly mm. in rural areas in terms of skills, in terms of the, the contribution that mm. people make. And if there's one Tory who, when that uh, document, the Home Office document, was leaked yes. and published, who will be holding their head in their hands, it's going to yeah. be Ruth Davidson, yeah. who made a big show of 
differentiating herself and, and the Scottish Tories from uh, policy and now is just going to have to confront that again. I don't know when she's going to next appear in front of a camera and face questions on it, perhaps even tomorrow in the uh, Scottish Parliament. Yeah, give him cues tomorrow, so yeah. Okay, let's uh, smooth. Let's go on there. Let's oh, go up Ruth Davidson, <laughs> okay? Because she was in action yesterday because mm -hmm. the Scottish Government revealed its programme for government, which was... Uh, well, let's, let's I think all... we, we both got in a bit of trouble on Twitter on this about electric... Oh, uh, yeah, well, let's call <laughs> it the electric cars. Well, let's, again, let's all be in agreement. The programme mm. for government is more interesting and more ambitious than the Queen's speech that was unveiled down here, right? Undoubtedly. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Because of that saying. Um, but there are some issues with it, I would say. And again, I've had some discussions with some uh, SMP MPs about this this morning. I would say there's a lot of hopey, changey stuff in it. I'm not sure how much actual concrete benefit there is set out, you know, actual policies that will benefit people in an obvious way. Is that fair? No, that's not fair. There's, there's huge amounts of things that will be what? actually useful on a practical level. All the stuff around childcare is quite important. So expansion of that, you've got the kind of this notion of the baby box generation of these kids coming through. That's a really exciting visionary thing. You know, there's, you're starting to sort of value children in society in a way that has not been the case, I suppose. Um, certainly in the Westminster context, but you're saying that you know, all children will get a fair start to life. All children, we mm -hmm. value, we think that they do have hope and a chance, and that's quite important and quite powerful. You've also got things around... Um, the kind of green agenda, which is hugely exciting. The United Nations is excited about the Scottish Government's programme for government. That's fantastic. That's okay. you know, really quite a, um, a feather in their cap for doing that. Um, and there's also areas sort of around justice um, as well, which are quite important too. So you've got things around uh, raising the age of criminal responsibility for children as well, bringing that in line with where that should be internationally. And that's been, mm. all, you know, sort of something that has been on the agenda for many of the children's charities to say mm. that we want to do that. There's stuff around the... Um, the smacking issue, there's stuff around um, prison sentences as well and making that more effective. You know, mm. We've already done an awful lot to reduce short-term prison sentences because everybody knows that they're not effective. Yeah, okay. Um, and it has. we've actually seen a great deal of improvement over the years in the number of kind of re-offending um, incidents as well. So that sort of builds on that as well and says, you know, what we're doing in prisons has to be effective. You don't just lock people up and throw away the key. And that helps to that narrative as well, which is, is hugely important. Um, yeah, okay, just... At the start of that, the baby box issue, I think, is very instructive in terms of Scottish politics, that the baby boxes are quite clearly a good thing and are not that expensive, and yet lots of opposition parties have tried to find a way to go, oh, well, it's not got enough breastfeeding advice or not, it's got too much, or I can't remember what they are. It's just like, really? <laughs> can't you all just... I mean, this is yeah. really not worth it's, arguing about. This is a, a isn't it really <laughs> a good thing. I'm really um, interested to see how this idea of the baby box generation is used as a hook to sort of move move things forward and re-energy... You because know, this, this was all about recapturing the energy that Nicola Sturgeon used to carry with yeah. her and lost by um, you know by focusing on independence and is now trying to uh, you know, through what you call the hopey changey stuff which is it's, it's a really important way of, of, of drawing people in what you're even more cynical than me I'm suggesting that you know I, the, I'm, there's I, a use of the immigration thing to try and uh, make Scotland I'm look sure more confident it's you're sincerely... that Nicola's giving out boxes in return for votes for independence no I'm She's I am sure it's, it's a policy that is sincerely supported for all the right reasons um um, but, but the idea of trying to, you know, marshal it into this idea of, um, 
you know, uh, a, a generational thing, have it be the cornerstone. You know, she could have picked the, the, the green stuff mm-hmm. and say, you know, we are the electric car generation, but she chose the baby box. Um, and I just, I'm just interested to see how that develops. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the green stuff. Mm-hmm. As you say, we got in a slight bit of bother on Twitter last night because I suggested... People think, people think I'm, I, I oppose it because I sort of questioned... Oh, yeah, I was I'm genuinely saying, interested right? to see if anyone has driven uh, an electric car sort of across Scotland in the worst weather when you have to take the little back roads and have they made it. If, Absolutely, right. right I've got a hybrid <laughs> my, car, OK? I'm signed up to this. No, my husband was telling me one of his colleagues is um, an electric car and had to fill it up for like the first time in I think six months or something with some petrol because the petrol's essentially deteriorating in the engine because he hasn't had to use it. Wow, okay. um, so there's, it there's definitely right, potential Glasgow, there. Right? Um, I don't think he lives, the guy lives in Glasgow itself but he's going back and forwards to work. Yeah, in the yeah, okay, well, But I think there's, it's, the, it's about getting the infrastructure around that as well and getting the right charging points and the right mm. places to make that work. How's that going to work, right? Because first of all, um, you know, all right, so you put in charging points but you're going to have to put in loads of charging points because everyone's going to have electric cars. And, you know, there's no broadband in the Highlands, essentially, or not, not enough. We've got electricity, though. Well, yeah, but so how are they going to have... Work. So <laughs> the idea that you can roll out all these charging points just seems... Uh, how's it going to work in the islands or, you know, these really remote bits? Apparently Orkney is, is already a bit of a hub for... Um, oh, it's really small, isn't it? You yeah. can like walk around it. That's not going to be a problem. You don't. I, I suppose you yeah. Can't, you can't get once, off the island. Once so you, you get your cars out there, you're kind of okay. Yeah, you just exactly. Getting charged. But it's the bit where you're going from, you know, John O'Groats to Inverness, Is going it? round the that bit where the dolphins are. What's it called? The Th- this was Morifer. The um, you know, scrapping, uh, saying that you're going to scrap new petrol and diesel vehicles by what is it, 2032? Yeah. Um, Again, it's very clever, and you know, it made it. It's a big dramatic announcement. It made it onto the front of the Scotsman and others. Um, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a big dramatic announcement that draws in attention. It, it was something that uh, car manufacturers were saying they were doing anyway. I think Volvo sure, had already yeah. said that it was going to do this voluntarily. Other countries are setting targets. So, public sector pay cap's going to get scrapped. That's not quite sure how we're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Universal income is going to be investigated. This is a naked grab for Corbynista votes, right? I think both of those issues are areas where Corbyn has been lagging behind us, really. Um, really? He's been going on about cutting the public sector pay cap He's not ages. in a position to do anything with it, though. Well, that is true. But it is complicated in the sense that you have to find a way of paying for that yes. as well. And that is that is the difficult position. It's easy enough for you know the likes of Corbyn to say, yeah, let's do this right now. A responsible government has to say, how does this fit with all the other things that we're doing around public sector pay as well? Because we've had no compulsory redundancy policy, yeah. which has kept people in jobs. We've had other things to try and make sure that people um, can stay in jobs. Nurses in Scotland are paid more than nurses um, in other parts of the UK. And there's just a lady from Northern Ireland out the front on the, on the bus talking about how that's affecting okay. Northern Ireland as well. So we've done all that we can to try and protect that. So if you're going to do something additional to that and something very worth doing, like scrapping the public sector pay cap, you have to find a way of making sure that that's not going to impact on the other good things that you've done. So I think it's right that they take time, make sure that you do that properly and make sure that the, that the commitment can actually be delivered. Um, this Northern Ireland lady on the bus is at the scrap the cap. Yes. You haven't just been on a bus and no, 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 Northern no. Ireland lady. Who, I do. Um, <laughs> I'm going buses and chat to random people. But, uh, no, um, the, there was very nice singing out there. Very, yes, Very, there very tuneful for, for such a, a demo. No, they but, are saying demo's been really good and really well attended. Um, answer the question then. How are you going to pay for it? How are we going to pay for it yeah. is um, not my job to figure out. Oh, come <laughs> on. That's a cop out if ever I heard one. Got any ideas? Well, I'm pretty sure Put that... Put some taxes um, on, couldn't you? 
I'm pretty sure that the team in, um, in Holyrood are going to be well aware of how they're going to pay for that because you know it's a responsible. Well, commitment. they should tell us, shouldn't they? Taxes are going up in Paris, yeah, in Scotland. Taxes, well, I mean, so the two things that were kicked down the road slightly and just, you know, um, the flag was waved, but uh, the the charge hasn't begun is on universal basic income and perhaps increasing taxes on on the wealthy. So we have to defer judgment and see what the outcome of of those conversations are. Um, But I think it's clear that, as I I described it to, to, to someone after hearing the announcement as yeah, it was it was a very sort of scattergun. Let's let's remind everyone about our prog- progressive chops and let's hit the, you know the green button and uh, you know public sector pay cap, mm. um, uh, the prison uh, cutting down on short sentences. Yeah. Uh, you know this this announcement was spurred by I think the result at the election and the recognition that sure. there's an issue on the this left flank. The, the relaunch, such as yeah. it, such as it is, and I'm led to believe there may even be a reshuffle coming down the road in the not too distant future. Is Anybody there? Is there? Anything about I've, that? I've heard both both nah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to remember as well that a lot of the kind of political discourse has been blown off course by Brexit. Mm. Yes, you know, we could well have been doing this a year ago. Yeah, had it not been for all the Brexit uncertainty. It's interesting that you've got both governments in Scotland and in Westminster both trying to focus on domestic stuff despite the fact that this two weeks of Westminster is going to be all about Brexit. I don't really understand exactly what's going on there. Um, education. I have to mention education because that is what this government in Scotland is supposed to be doing and frankly it's failing as far as I can see. Every time I go up there, I talk to my niece and she's in a class of 33 or something, which I found absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> Given that the English system, you're not allowed to have classes over 30. I just find it bizarre. Well, that's not Councils to manage that and to, to put that in place. Couldn't Holyrood make a rule that you can't have more than 30 in a class? You could, but for some schools, the kind of practical issue is about the size of the actual school as well. It's difficult to kind of get your ways around that, and you could put extra staff into classrooms yeah. to kind of mitigate um, you know, larger class sizes as well. But it, is, it. it depends with what exactly you're working. A long, long time ago in a, an SNP manifesto far away, uh, class sizes were a, a big a big pledge and yeah. um, in, in in a lot of the measurements that were set, they they weren't met. I think education remains a, a big problem. For yeah. but we, the, the main issue with that, and there was a council in Glasgow mm. um, when that happened, is that the council wasn't going to do it. Mm. Um, and it's very it's fine for a government to have a policy and say this is what we'd like to do, but if local government deliberately you know decides that they are not going to do that and they're going to stand against it as they did in Glasgow, right, come on, that makes it quite difficult. We, no we use to we're kids in, in school if you've got local authorities and Hollywood having a squabble about it. That's not something needs to be done, right? Something needs to knock people's heads together. Or well, hopefully now we've got an SNP council in Glasgow and an SNP Scottish <laughs> government that's going to improve things. Uh, all right. Um, but even in opposition in Glasgow City Council, we proposed a targeted reduction in class sizes for more deprived areas. Yeah. Um, and even at that, the council weren't wearing it. So I think there's there's definitely things that, that can be done, but there's kind of restrictions on the size and shape of schools, on staffing levels, all those kind of things as well that councils have to, have to sort out. And Wait. I know from my own experience of that as well, is schools don't always know how many kids are going to turn up on the first day as well and schools in Glasgow well, did, honestly who's going to turn up why go, not I mean the, there is a registration process and kids um, yeah. go through all of that but there was a good few schools in Glasgow a couple of years ago that got far more than they thought they were going to get and how? where did these kids what? how does that how can that be because <laughs> families had moved into the area and new houses had been built they hadn't kind of factored all those things in um, and they ended up with far more kids than they expected so there's there's all, always you know challenges around that as well around 
you know, kids moving in and out of an area and yeah. different things as well. So it's it's a huge challenge for local government to manage all those things, particularly ones the size of Glasgow, where you've got big population turnovers too. What Scotland needs is a Scottish Michael Gove. Would you agree, Paris? I mean, Michael Gove is Scottish, <laughs> but, you know... Um, um, a Scottish Michael Gove. Gove. I I think there were certainly some um, in in a past life. I was a, an education correspondent in Scotland, and um, there were certainly some within the administration who looked at some of the reforms going on down here and thought, yeah. mm, maybe. But um, then the SNP lost its majority in Scotland, and um, Brexit happened, and I think just they those kinds of arguments schools. have have tumbled down. Tories are back free schools. Uh, SNP said we're going to set up free schools. Tories will get on board to get that through. No bother. Well, but, you know, there would be the issue of the U-turn and the internal struggles. And but it would help children. This is the trouble. It's all very well squabbling about it. Is well, there evidence for that, though, really? What, with free schools? Well, yeah, I don't know. I, mm, well, I admit, I don't, again, I, I don't have a huge amount of evidence for this, but I do feel that, you know, the Gove reforms are problematic, perhaps, from a philosophical point of view, depending on your view of education and what it's for and all the rest of it. But I do think they have driven up standards. Education in England is in At what total, cost? In total chaos. I don't know. That's not my you get this experience kind of, of it. Mishmash patchwork of, of schools. You get kids not being well served. You get teachers on different pay scales as well, which is a big problem. Well, yeah. Um, and you don't have any mm. kind of semblance of a national curriculum of any kind because everyone's allowed to do what they want. It's yeah, absolute, but that's it's absolute idea. chaos. That's why they can. It's chaos. There's certain marks they've got to hit. It's like chaos. they must teach it, children times tables by rote, which I find a bit weird. But yeah, it does but seem to kind of work. I mean, I, I suppose the question is, does it work? for my children because they're like really clever and amazing uh, but it doesn't work for less smart kids I think that's that's the question is at what cost does it work it does drive up standards but does it yeah. drive up standards for all across the board but they're only no, working for a small mm-hmm. group and another small group are just getting thrown on the scrap people that bit I can't answer free, free schools perhaps not but let's look at the thing that was anathema in Scottish education you know five years ago and is now sort of perhaps about to take place which is a, a form of teach first trying to bring graduates yes. who kind of circumvent the, yeah. the full training system and come straight into the classroom and that's 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 not a go it's, it's a govian rather than the gove reform but um it's something govian. That we might have. good question um we didn't mention just briefly earlier when we talked about immigration are you getting thrown out of the country paris you are an immigrant have you had um, a letter i'm from not the i i was not one of the lucky ones who got a uh, a letter and from the home call. office which would have meant a phone call which yeah. would have been very that would have been exciting quite the story if you had. yeah absolutely <laughs> okay. um but I, I read in The Guardian last night, like everyone else, that um, apparently, even if I sort of go through the process that's now being set up of becoming a, a settled, uh, what's a settled citizen? Is that mm. what it is? Um, which would mean that I, I can stay oh, yeah, yeah. after Brexit because yeah, yeah. I've already been here for a certain yeah. amount of time. Um, I learned that it might be that as an EU national, I would be discriminated against in the job market in perpetuity every time I, you know. For instance, mm-hmm. if I wanted to go be the, the Daily Mail political editor after Brexit and I applied and they would, they would if they had a UK <laughs> applicant, they would take yeah, that, that person. I think that would happen at the That would probably happen anyway. anyway. That would probably happen anyway. <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously that makes it, I think this is all about sending a signal, making it, showing that we're going to make it very unattractive for mm-hmm. EU nationals. Yeah. Um, Absolutely appalling. I mean, the folk that I've spoken to at surgeries or in shops yeah. or mm-hmm. you know, whoever I've been speaking to people, people were already really upset and really worried. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just awful. We've seen already since the referendum the number of um, uh, people in, in this country who came from the, the new accession EU countries yes. who were doing sort of, who were more likely to be doing sort of lower paid casual labour. Yeah. They're already leaving in large yes. numbers. I think as things get more hostile, you may well see 
people from the old original EU members who are probably doing uh, higher paid, more established yeah. jobs, uh, have more established lives in Britain, actually think about their position and, and, uh, and, and move on. And the other thing is, what this shows is how, j just what a mess Brexit negotiations are. EU negotiators are in Brexit arguing for basically the opposite of what this paper mm -hmm. says. They're arguing for the EU <laughs> to allow more freedom and more continued mutual access for EU and British nationals. This paper says we would cut that. Um, basically what you're saying is if I want to get the extension done to my house, I really need to get a move on if I want any Polish, Romanian builders, anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So they're, 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 heading, they're heading for the for the airport and the bus station. Okay. Uh, should we talk about Scottish Labour or should we just not? I mean, I tell you what, <laughs> yeah, no, let's touch on Scottish Labour because of course... We have to. You, well, uh, you're, uh, you defeated Anna Sama to get into Westminster. Mm -hmm. He is now standing to be... Oh, I didn't. Uh, I, I, I missed that connection. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He's now standing to be Scottish Labour leader. Do you think you'd be a good Scottish Labour leader? Oh, <laughs> um, it's one of those, do you, you pick the one that you think is going to do a good job or not? Um, well, uh, well, hang on. <laughs> uh, the question was, would you think he would do a good job? I think he's very ambitious and he wouldn't go for it <laughs> unless he thought he was going to win. Yeah, well, that's, that's interesting. People are, are writing him off. But um, we know the Scottish Labour Party is not as Corbynista as perhaps its voters are. Mm. Uh, Richard Leonard, are you familiar with him? I've never heard, I, I I've never heard people, of him. Until a few very weeks few ago. people are familiar with with Richard Leonard, and I think an interesting, you know, this this because it's Scottish Labour, it consumes us and certainly the you know the media. Yes. Bear in mind, this is now the third party yeah. in in Scotland, um, and these are two people with, I think, uh, the lowest profile of of yes candidates to be Scottish Labour leader that. That we've um, that we've had. Um, right, we've gone far too long. Let's finish with uh, the never-ending chain of questions called "I Love Your Questions," which has a jingle that sounds like this. I love your questions. I love your questions. I love your questions. Right, the rollover question all summer has been: How many times does Shakespeare use the word birthday in his entire? Uh, written works as set by Martin Whitfield, former teacher. I bet he used to set this for his pupils. <laughs> oh, I bet he was really funny. I bet the pupils loved it. Do uh, you want to add to the, the great rollover? Uh, Paris, do you want to go first? What's your guess? I reckon it's one. He invented the word, but he only used it once. Oh, good guess. Okay. Uh, Alison, what's your guess? This is, we've been waiting for you all summer. I keep all summer <laughs> say, we're gonna say, this question has been set for Alison Doolis. Oh, I have no idea. Go on, get it right. Um... Go on. I'm trying to think of context in which you would be talking about birthdays, um, which I'm kind of struggling with a bit. Um, I'm going to say none. None. You join Rachel Cunliffe of City AM and Matt Withers in saying none, and you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> the highest we had was Olivia Utley of Reaction, who went for 70, which was a big, big guess, number, yeah. uh, and she was wrong. Uh, strangely enough, Stuart Donaldson, Stuart Sausage Boy Donaldson and Johnny Walker both went for seven. Uh, the closest was Mike Indian with two. The answer's three. Mm. Nobody got it right. I'm sure Martin is delighted. I bet he used to ask all yeah. his pupils that and then go, ah, you don't know I got it right. Like hilarious teachers sometimes do. Um, your question, Alison, for next week's guest, who I have not confirmed yet, so uh, you can't really make it a nasty one about Jeremy Corbyn. You can. It might be one of your colleagues. We don't know who it's going to be. Uh, your question is... I would like to ask them what their favourite parliamentary event is because we had the, the Wear It Pink today. 
Oh yeah. Um, which is kind of up there with mine, getting dressed up and um, okay. lots of fun things. Okay. Um, but you know, also up there is Guide Dog Day when you bring all the guide dogs. So I want to know what this, this person's favourite parliamentary event is. Dog show, tug of war, mm. all that sort of stuff goes yes. on, doesn't it? Okay. Uh, that's quite a good one. There might be some interesting ones there. Um, okay. Listen, we will close things here. I will say thank you to Alison Dillis for finally coming on my podcast. It's not been your fault, but my fault. And thank you to Paris of that great publication the scotsman what a great title that is isn't it going great guys um, uh tune in next week i think there'll be another podcast next week i'm not entirely sure because i'm working on another podcast project which i can't talk about yet so <laughs> Ooh, um but i think there'll be one next week tune in next week for another of political yeti's politics podcast in the meantime get in touch i am at political yeti on twitter i am political yeti at gmail.com on the email and my website is james-miller.com uh thank you for listening